You're listening to the Red Wave Report, the number one rated Fresno State podcast, the official free podcast of TheBarkBoard.com. The thoughts and opinions are that of the show hosts and in no way reflect the thoughts and opinions of the university. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Red Wave Report. My name is Lucio Arik, your host of the show, being joined, as always, with the publisher of the Barkboard, Mr. Jackson Moore. Jackson, how you doing today? I'm doing well, Lucio. How about yourself? Hanging in there. You know, this. Uh, I'm, I'm enjoying the cooler weather out uh, as things have started to change and getting away from the summer heat, which I'm kind of a little bit over with all the... The, the triple digits and all the smoke in our area, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for summer to be over. How about yourself, Jackson? Yeah, it certainly changed quick. I mean, it feels like we were just in the, the heat and the smoke not that long ago, and now all of a sudden there's freeze warnings overnight. <laughs> so it's been a little bit of a quick change, but it might be good timing for Fresno State as they get ready to go to Logan, Utah, where it's going to be in the 30s to 20s on Saturday with possible rain or snow. Uh, so there won't be too much of a culture sh- or a weather shock for them this week if they uh, any of the Bulldogs have stepped outside overnight the past couple of nights here in the Valley. It hasn't felt all that different from what they'll probably get on Saturday. Well, definitely that's going to help the Bulldogs kind of, uh, they, they kind of got a little bit of a gift. They're, they're getting acclimated to the weather already without even leaving town. So <laughs> that, that should help the Bulldogs uh, as they make the trip over to uh, Utah State. But uh, before that even happens, uh, we need to go over what happened uh, in Las Vegas last week when the Bulldogs took on UNLV. And that one um, that one was interesting, to say the, to say the least, Jackson. Um, y- you kind of didn't know which Bulldog team was going to show up on the next play. That's that's how that's how. Uh, how that that game kind of turned out uh there was times where the bulldogs looked really good and then there was times where the bulldogs looked really bad but what's your take on that one jackson yeah you know it's been a, a little bit of a roller coaster each week and it was it's been kind of the same blueprint for the first series of plays it's been in all three games now some for coincidentally uh, fresno state scores a touchdown first and then they give up two scores to their opponent and we saw in the first week against hawaii it got away from them the second game against Colorado State, they punched right back and they kind of ran away with it themselves. And in this game, it, they did answer again, but it kind of went a little back and forth uh, for a while, all the way up until the fourth quarter where uh, Fresno State finally pulled away. I mean, you always felt like Fresno State was the better team and they were eventually going to win, but it was still close for quite some time. And UNLV kept making the, the plays here or there, their quarterback, while well, you know, Fresno State was shutting down the running game, which was a big concern. The quarterback was taking off for big runs himself and improvising and making plays. And they were hanging around. And uh, fortunately for the Bulldogs, they were able to, to put him away there at the end. Yeah, it was uh, it was quite interesting to say the least. I mean, just watching what was happening there. I, I mean, there was times where I just I. I I couldn't understand what the Bulldogs were doing at times. <laughs> uh, the the defense looked looked a little bit confused. Uh, when it came to the quarterback for uh, UNLV, who would scramble on certain plays and, uh, I mean, ran for a very long run for a touchdown, it, it just looked like they were looking for answers and just couldn't find the right right way to defend against that quarterback. Did, did you kind of get that same feeling, Jackson? 
Yeah, and I think they finally got to it at the end when UNLV felt the pressure. He wasn't able to scramble around as much through those two picks. So they could have forced him into that a little bit more earlier on in the game. It probably would have been a lot easier for him. Um, you know, their quarterback, Max Gilliam, had uh, four rushing yards that are either positive four or negative four. I remember it was four. <laughs> well, that was all the rushing yards he had in the first two weeks, and he had like not even 20 career rushing yards. This guy's not known as a runner, and he just ran all over Fresno State. And uh, Coach DeBoer said that they watched the film and they anticipated he was going to be faster and more athletic than he had shown, and that they were anticipating that he would run the ball a little bit more. But uh, 16 carries for 139 yards and a touchdown is a little extreme for a quarterback that's not known for running the ball. Um, it almost feels to me like, you know, they they focused in on Charles Williams, the running back, who has hurt the Bulldogs in years past uh, from local board high school. Uh, he only ran tw- 80 for 89 yards on 27 carries. That's just 3.3 yards per carry. And he had a big old chunk of yards on the last play of the game that uh, wouldn't have never happened if the Fresno State didn't fumble there with <laughs> 10 seconds left. Um, but it, it almost feels to me like they focused on shutting the run. They didn't want to get beat deep by the receivers. It happened once. And if the quarterback was going to run it, that was kind of the thing they were going to have to, to deal with. And uh, it looked like UNLV just took what the Bulldogs were taking them because, uh, again, other than that one pass, they weren't very successful through the air. They weren't very successful running between the tackles. But uh, the quarterback's legs really extended some drives, and that, that 71-yard touchdown you mentioned was almost a, a game-changing play as they tied it up late in the third quarter. So, um yeah, you, you don't want to give up 140 yards to a quarterback on the ground ever. You don't want to give up 27 points. But, hey, if Fresno State can put up 40 points like they did, I mean, that's one way to, to go about it, I guess. Yeah, and and now the secret is out on that quarterback. So I, chances are uh, UNLV is, is kind of looking at that going, huh. Maybe we should use that a little bit more often. <laughs> you might see a new wrinkle from from UNLV in t- coming into the next few games. Uh, however, now the secret is out that the the quarterback is very mobile, and so now teams will be looking for that on defense. So, uh, but uh, in in addition to this game, another thing that really stood out to me was the play of Ronnie Rivers again. In this game, um, Ronnie Rivers looks to be like he is a man on a mission this year, uh, and he is going to be doing whatever he can to get into that end zone. And he just he looks pretty much unstoppable, Jackson. And so, what's your what's your take on on Ronnie and and the way that he's progressed so far this season? Yeah, I mean, even in the Colorado State game, he had three touchdowns, and it was a, a great performance, but we're almost kind of used to seeing Ronnie do that. And this game, it felt more like he was kind of carrying the offense in a lot of ways. It felt like, you know, the Bulldogs were uh, fairly successful through the air, but even Rivers was the top re- uh, leading receiver for the Bulldogs. It just felt like when the game was getting tight there, he wanted to get the ball in the Rivers' hands more than anyone else. And, I mean, there's typically that feeling Ronnie's your go-to weapon but more so in this game just how well he was playing he almost had 10 yards per touch whether it was um, when you combine rushing and receiving numbers uh, 232 yards on uh, 25 total touches 19 carries six receptions four touchdowns I mean gosh he just looked like he was on a different level than everyone else playing in that game Uh, he made UNLV's defense look silly multiple times and uh, gave Fresno State confidence on a fourth and short opportunity late in the game. They felt like two yards they could get. Ronnie could get that, and that turned into a touchdown to put Fresno State up 34-27. Uh, 
uh, early in the fourth quarter. So, I mean, he was just spectacular. And you look at that game, you pair him with the Colorado State game. Even against Hawaii, uh, he didn't have the big numbers, but um, he showed, as we mentioned previously on the podcast, that he's a lot more physical with the weight that he's put on. He was bouncing off, or tacklers were bouncing off of him. He was making five or six guys have to chase him down and bring him down on certain plays. So that extra element is going a long way so far from what we've seen. And, um, you know, there's not a lot of uh, juggernaut defenses in the Mountain West, so it's not out of uh, the realm of possibility for him to have. Maybe not four touchdowns and all the yards he had, but to keep doing this on a weekly basis like he has now back-to-back games. Yeah, and, and he looks like as the season progresses, he's getting stronger and stronger, uh, which is not good news for other teams. Uh, great news for the Bulldogs. But uh, Ronnie seems like he's he's set on going after that uh, uh, after some running back records this year, even though it's a shortened season. I think Ronnie's got that in the back of his mind that uh, he's still he's still very much in reach of reaching some of these uh, Bulldog records uh, as a running back here. Um, but one other player that was one, one question that I have about this last game is what is going on at the quarterback position, Jackson, are you starting to get the feeling that there may be, uh, more of a controversy going on with the quarterback position, uh, because they keep playing multiple quarterbacks or they're, they're still trying to figure out who the, the key guy is going to be and who, who's going to step step up and be that guy as the quarterback uh, for the Bulldogs? Yeah, you know, I don't think there's a, a controversy, but I do think the gap is closing each week now that we've seen Wolders play in two straight games. And um, Coach DeBoer has emphasized over after Saturday's game and on Monday in his press conference with us that uh, it's still Jake's team. Jake Hayner is the starting quarterback, and um, that's the plan going forward. Uh Coach DeBoer said that he doesn't mind playing two quarterbacks and that it looks like he's going to keep continuing to do so. Um, his concern is not playing two quarterbacks. He says that he's open to it. It's um, The concern is if they're even. If you have two quarterbacks and you don't know who the guy is, and it kind of ebbs and flows based on who's performing better. You don't know who's the starter. and uh, When it's a true controversy, I think that's where it's, it gets uncomfortable for him. And so he's trying to make it clear that Hayner's the starter, but they do like Ben Wolderitz. They don't mind playing him a drive here or there. And um, they want someone ready because this is definitely an unusual season. It's not just injury, but it's also uh, COVID testing or even symptoms or contact tracing that could uh, make you lose a quarterback at any moment. And, um, you know, neither of these guys have started a college game going into the season. So I don't know if this will be sustainable all year long, but they do seem to have a, a priority of getting Wildred some playing time and uh, getting him a little more comfortable when the, uh, if the time comes where he's needed. But where this thing got really interesting was uh, in the game against UNLV, Jake Hayner on third and five launched the pass way downfield and uh, Coach DeBoer was not happy about it. They showed it on TV. It was very clear uh, that was not a, uh, something that he approved of. And of course, the next drive here comes Ben Wolders. So that was the first time out of, you know, you look at the Colorado State game and the first half against UNLV, those were all described as predetermined opportunities that they were going to play Wolders and then take him out no matter what happened. Uh, that was this one I'm referring to now. That was one where they saw something from Hainer they did not like and they yanked him from the game and put Wolders in. So 
uh, that's a different element. Uh, Woldridge has played good enough to earn that right to uh, keep Painter on his toes, and I think you'll have to keep a watch on it these next couple of games. But my assumption is that we'll see Hainer play probably about 80% of these games going forward, and we'll still see Woldridge play here or there. But that's going to be the extent of uh, the quote-unquote quarterback battle for now. Yeah, and that's uh, that's something that's uh, kind of been playing in the back of my mind is just seeing what's going on with the the quarterback position, and that that point in time that you mentioned uh, where uh, the coach was not happy with Hayner, um, that is when I kind of started to wonder a little bit if the door is starting to open um, uh, as far as the quarterback position is concerned. Uh, so things things could start to develop as things progress, but. Right now, uh, for the time being, it's still Hainer's, uh, Hainer's team and Hainer's uh, spot to lose. But like you said, that gap is starting to, to close quickly, isn't it, Jackson? Yeah, and I think that was my biggest takeaway from what we saw in the second half of this game against UNLV is that uh, the dynamic shifted a little bit. So, you know, I don't know if it was, they're, they're still trying to keep business as usual, but maybe we'll see more of Oldridge than we did, or they'll plan more, or they'll be more willing to swap them back and forth. But um, I don't think they want to make anything too complicated, any more so than it is right now. And uh, Hainer will be the primary guy. But it, it does make you wonder if uh, something goes bad. You know, this is going to be a cold-weather game. Maybe if Hainer doesn't get out to a strong start, maybe they'll be more willing to, to shift at that point. But... Um, I think the most important thing is that both quarterbacks have been performing pretty well. They haven't been uh, perfect uh, the whole time they're out there, but they've been good for the majority of the time. And I think if you're Fresno State, you feel comfortable with either of them. But uh, Hayner's definitely in the lead and the guy you want out there first to see what he can do. Well, I guess it's a good problem to have for the Bulldogs when you have two quarterbacks that are so close to each other that are performing this well to not know which one to go with um but uh you know it's not good for the rest of the team when you're kind of shifting back and forth between quarterbacks so hopefully they'll settle on one soon and and stick with them um but you know we've we've talked about Hayner we've talked about the running game um but for for the most part the wide receivers have been pretty quiet um in these last two to three weeks when when we kind of expected them to kind of be uh, the deepest uh, for the Bulldogs. I mean, what do you, what's your take on that? What, do you, what are you getting from uh, how they've performed in the last three weeks? Yeah, it's, um, it's almost a, a problem. There's too many guys to pick from it in a way, uh, and that's what we saw last year in a sense as well. There hasn't been a single 100-yard receiving game from a Fresno State receiver since Keyshawn Johnson in 2018. And uh, running back Ronnie Rivers had 99 last game. He came the closest to, <laughs> as a running back to, to ending that streak. But um, to me, uh, Carrick Wheatfall, I mean, just statistically, he's been the guy now uh, as far as that unit three games in a row as far as leading the team in receptions and yards. It seems like he's kind of established himself as the go-to receiver. And then uh, we saw last week um, after Wheatfall, you've got, seven different guys that caught either one or two passes for anywhere from five to 18 yards. And, um, you know, all those individual plays are, are decent, but no one really making a significant impact in the receiving games uh, beyond rivers or wheat fall last week. So, um, 
I do think they, they've narrowed it down just looking at the snaps. Um, Wheat Ball, Cropper, and Josh Kelly were out there most of the time. And uh, tight end Raymond Powell went out with an injury, and then you saw some more four wide receiver sets as well that were utilized. So um, I think they're getting to a point where they're locking in on three, four receivers or so, but when you only complete 20 passes and six of them are from one running back and one from another with Jordan Mims had a 10-yard catch, there's only 13 receptions to go around. So um, I think as long as Rivers is so um, ball-dominant as he should be right now, it's probably going to cut into the opportunities for the receivers. But I think the good news is we heard from uh, Jalen Crawford today and they've really bought into being blockers in terms of blocking downfield for Rivers when he's in open space. Uh, some of the receivers were the guys that made those key blocks for Rivers' uh, touchdown scores or big plays last week, and they're all in on that. So they're happy to, to do the dirty work, and uh, even the guy like Cropper, who uh, was only listed 155 pounds last year, he's bulked up a little bit, and he's able to block. So uh, it doesn't sound like they're too discouraged, and they have plenty of weapons, even with some injuries in that group. and. Um, right now, I look at Wheatfall and Cropper as the two guys that might have the best chance to put up some stats. But otherwise, it's going to probably continue to be pretty uh, mild in the in the stat sheet. Yeah, it's just it's I, I'm still waiting for that one receiver to have a breakout game, and it's it's not happening. So I'm kind of I'm kind of getting concerned at this point that that it's uh, not going to happen. That it's it's just going to stay the way that it, that it is and it's it's not a bad thing i mean when you have this much talent on a team where you can spread the ball around a lot it really keeps defenses honest but at this point i was kind of expecting one receiver to kind of kind of be keyed in on as the the top guy uh and run away with it i mean you you t- you talked about wheatfall uh but it's it's not like he's really a head and shoulders above everybody else at the moment. So it's kind of you're kind of waiting for that one guy to kind of just break loose and and have an awesome game. Um, but you know things are things are panning out uh, as far as that is concerned. The offensive line again <laughs> hit and miss uh during during this game one guy that was really being played up by the announcers uh was Dante Bull and um <laughs> I mean you just couldn't help from from laugh as they kept concentrating on Dante Bull and what what do you see coming from the offensive line Jackson Yeah I felt like they took a pretty big step forward uh, as far as the running game goes um the, the first game was tough for Ronnie as far as the running game. He didn't have a, a, any big runs, really. Um, he was very tough in between the tackles and did the best he could with what was there. But um, I think each week they've progressed. Uh, Colorado State, I'd say their strength was in their D-line. UNLV, I think that their strength was in their D-line defensively as well. And so they've had, um, you know, as far as average to mediocre defenses go, uh, some pretty tough matchups in the trenches, and they took a bit of a step forward. I felt there against UNLV, um, they had, UNLV had a, a pretty strong nose guard, and they got a defensive end that came from TCU that was a pretty big time recruit. And uh, so they didn't uh, disrupt the running game too much, but we did see them effective in the passing game, uh, forcing several sacks, um, four of them in this game. That makes eleven for Fresno State on the season, and that's concerning. Uh, it seems like the same issues are, are popping up weekly. Um, if you look back at 2018, Marcus McMarion was only sacked, I believe, 
um, 12 or 13 times that season. Or, I mean, it wasn't even one per game. It was almost less than what uh, Fresno State's given up in these thir- first three games of this season. So that's very concerning, and I think that's the biggest disruption of the offense because once you get Ronnie going and you've seen uh, not one big-time receiver, but everyone kind of spreading the wealth there, the passing game's working fine, that the only question mark becomes your, your pass protection. and So that's still a concern. Um, part of it is Hayner. I mean, he's mobile to avoid sacks. He also has had some happy feet and run around in times where he probably caused a sack that maybe wouldn't have happened. Um, so there's a little bit of both going on, but it starts with the O-line. And uh, there are several plays where the Bulldogs snap the ball and before you know what the pressure is in the quarterback's face right away. And that's the problem, obviously. And they've got to get that fixed. Um, Tyrone Sampson played a little bit off the bench on the O-line, so maybe we'll see him, the, the former four-star recruit from Michigan, get some more time. But, um, yeah, that's really the one concern for me offensively. Otherwise, you feel really good about where the dogs are at. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of good pub for uh, Dante Bull, so that, I guess that's a uh, good for him. Uh, <laughs> he did get he did make some good plays um, on on there that were highlighted uh, over and over. Uh, but you know, it's like you mentioned the 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 pass protection has not been there where it should be in some instances, and then of course the quarterbacks are not helping the situation in others. So um, <laughs> hopefully they'll kind of kind of put that one to rest here soon. But defensively, uh, as we mentioned earlier, the Bulldogs gave up a ton of rushing yards and mostly to the quarterback. Um, So how do they recover from this, Jackson? Because obviously Utah State's going to be looking at the film and going, hmm, we can do that, and uh, trying to exploit that. So uh, what's, what's your thoughts on how they can correct this moving forward? Yeah, and that wasn't just this past week either. You know, even though the defense played really well against Colorado State, uh, that dual threat quarterback put up uh, 80 rushing yards, if I believe correctly. And then you look back at the first week, which is what probably concerns me more than what Colorado State did, uh, because the Rams didn't have a whole lot else going for them. But against Hawaii, uh, Chevin Cordero, their quarterback, who is mobile but not known as necessarily as a runner, he had 116 rushing yards and two touchdowns against the Bulldogs. And so it's starting to become a trend weekly now that stopping the quarterback on the run is an issue. Um, I think it's most commonly going to be an issue for this team, like what I was mentioning earlier, where uh, you know UNLV is in the spread, so they can't really load up on the box, and they're focused on not getting beat deep by the receivers, and they're locked in on the running back, and they, there's not always room to do stop everything. So uh, kind of the quarterback run is what they were given up. I think that was part of the reasoning in Hawaii. Um, you look at the, some of the film, and there wasn't. It wasn't like there was a spy or anything that was missing assignments. It was just not really accounted for a lot of times. So, um, you know, for Fresno State to adjust to that, I mean, it's probably going to mean being a little more vulnerable in the passing game, or not having as many guys around in the box to stop the running game. So, there's some give and take there with um, the guys that Fresno State has to work with right now, and what this defensive scheme does. Um, but I mean, if you're Utah state, I think you're feeling pretty good about your chances to to move the ball that way. Um, they do have a quarterback that is fairly mobile. Um, they don't have Jordan love anymore, uh, but they're breaking in the new quarterback and Jason Shelley. He's a five eleven, one ninety pounder. He's not big or, or 
you know, a big pocket guy. He doesn't have a lot of rushing yards, about 60 on the year, but uh, he is a guy that is fast enough to take advantage. And, you know, he went through this Utah State team has gone through now Boise State and San Diego State and Nevada, uh, three of the best teams in the conference right now, and three teams that are, well, at least two teams that are known for their defense as well. So, um, they're going to have more room to, to run in this game and it might give them some confidence. And if you're Fresno State, that's the one thing you don't want is to let them have any sort of confidence. Um, as far as an 0-3 team that's going through a, a coaching firing and um, is going to be either sunk in momentum or is going to ride it to an unexpected win. So um, uh, surely Fresno State's going to try to make some adjustments, but it also seems they're willing to, to let it go if, if they can stop everything else. Yeah, it's definitely going to be one of those games where you've got one team who is in the Bulldogs who is who's starting to kind of figure things out. You've got another team who uh, lost their head coach, uh, and so now they are uh, now they're off to the races and trying to uh, and trying to correct that. And so there's going to be they're going to be coming into this game with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder to prove something, um, and the Bulldogs are just going to have to be ready for them. Um, and it doesn't help that the Bulldogs have to travel. Um, and from what I hear, what you told me before the, the podcast, um, Utah state, uh, in, in the state of Utah, they are having, uh, more issues with, with COVID-19. So, uh, what more can you say about that? Jackson, is this game in danger of being canceled or postponed? No, I don't think so. Um, but there are some concerns in Utah. They have, uh, they issued a state of emergency Monday and uh, they put in a lot of new restrictions or returned restrictions from maybe what we were used to seeing a few months back that uh, they're trying to, to correct that curve right now. Um, but one thing that was exempted was football. Um, there's the three major colleges that are playing there in, in the state of Utah and um, there's some high school playoffs going on right now there and they're going to let that keep going. So, um, it doesn't sound like there's any concerns about this game or it being moved or postponed or anything like that, but Utah State did announce Tuesday that there will be no fans in the game, and that's not news for Fresno State as far as what we're used to seeing uh, through these first couple of games. But uh, Utah State actually let in well over 5,000 people for their first home game uh, on Halloween weekend. And so, you know, it's not a probably a, a difference maker, but, I mean, 5,000, 6,000 fans, you might get a little bit more of an environment, some energy and momentum when things are going your way. So uh, that will be eliminated, but uh, there's no way for Fresno State to um, counter the the home field advantages of temperatures or elevation, uh, but they won't have the, the fans to worry about uh, in this one. And, um, I, I had heard some Fresno State fans were planning to make that trip up as possibly the only chance to see the Bulldogs this year, so um, that's a bummer, definitely. But um, the greater attendance of almost all Aggie fans, I'm sure uh, the Bulldogs won't have to worry about that. Yeah, it uh, it makes for uh, kind of an even play field uh, when uh, all of a sudden the the other the home team is not going to have uh, any fans in the stands like they they had in their previous games. So. Um, even playing field now. So the, the energy is going to be what it is. And I believe the Bulldogs are uh, a little bit more used to it than Utah state than by the sounds of it, which uh, should play into Fresno state's advantage, uh, uh, against Utah state. Now, um, 
the keys for the Bulldog victory in this game, Jackson, what what are you seeing that's going to be the keys for the Bulldogs in order to, to come away with another victory against Utah State? Oh, I think um, Fresno State, well, you know, we're still learning about them. We're still, you know, they, they weren't that far away from losing against UNLV. Uh, so, I mean, they, they did pull out the win. They, you know, they're building momentum. They're building confidence. But we still want to see them continue to do that to prove it. And they've got a really tough stretch coming up soon with um, San Jose State, San Diego State, Nevada. That's really going to tell the story of this season. Um, but you don't want to get tripped up by Utah State. And this is going to be an emotional game for them. Um, you know, losing their head coach from the sounds of it, uh, there were some chemistry issues within the team and you know maybe getting him out of there fixes some of that. Uh, if they believe in their interim coach, they may be motivated to play in this one. Um, if they make some plays early, it, I mean, the, the tide starts to build a little bit and they won't have the fans behind them, of course, but they may be able to, to build some momentum and take advantage of um, the weather. So I, I think for me, it's really about starting off strong early on both sides. Um, you know, cause I think about what I watched with Hawaii and Wyoming, Hawaii had come off the big win against Fresno state. Um, they go to uh, Laramie and the 30 degrees where uh, Wyoming was just coming off a, a heartbreaking loss. And man, was Hawaii out of sync. They could not, I mean, it's a little bit different climate adjustment from Honolulu to Laramie than from Fresno to, to Logan was going to be, but, Man, they were just totally out of sync. The ball flew out of the quarterback's hands, uh, trying to make a routine pass, and they never adjusted and never were able to overcome the beginning. So, if you're Fresno State, uh, you don't want to fall victim to any of those same sort of things. Um, I think if they can avoid that, start off the game strong early, um, put drives together offensively, and keep Utah State from having any sort of big momentum swinging plays early, then I think they're going to get control of this one and maintain it. But I think the window is there for a team that Utah State is, as the Bulldogs are all saying this week, has got their back against the wall, has nothing to lose. That team, that kind of team always worries you a little bit. But I think the majority of, of how this game can play out should favor Fresno State. And if they just keep doing what they've done for most of the season, even if it's not the prettiest of wins, they should still get this one uh, without uh, sweating it too much. Yeah, it's definitely going to be um, easier, uh, easier road for the Bulldogs. Uh, weather-wise, there not much, not much to make an adjustment for unless it starts to snow there, uh, which you know it has happened in the past. Um, but the Bulldogs are in better shape to to head over in that direction than some of the other teams would be. Um, and speaking of that, Jackson, you know, I think it's time for, a, you know, around the Mountain West, around the world in the Mountain West, so to speak, to to kind of see how the Mountain West uh, did last week. And um, I guess the one that's on everybody's mind is uh, Boise State's blowout uh, against BYU and what BYU did against them. Uh, I mean, what... what do you take away from that game? It, it really brings Boise State back to... Uh, back to earth doesn't it <laughs> yeah and if uh, you're listening and you did have no idea what happened in Boise State's game when you hear Boise State and blowout you're probably assuming they won that game <laughs> blowout <laughs> fashion because that seems to always be the case but uh yeah no uh, Boise, uh BYU went to the blue turf you know it's obviously a, an unusual season without the type of environment and fans they would normally have there but 
uh, BYU came in there and blew out the Broncos big time. It was not close, not from the start. And we are not used to seeing that at all for Boise State. And they've got a pretty good excuse. Uh, their starting quarterback, Hank Bachmeyer, wasn't uh, able to play this one. And their backup quarterback, um, Jacob Sears, uh, the transfer from USC, uh, Jack Sears, excuse me, uh, he went four for four to start the game with 41 yards and uh, then was knocked out of the game with a, a, a head injury it was. So, you know, your Boise State, you're playing number nine BYU and you're down to your third quarterback. Uh, that's a, a tough proposition, but the Broncos always seem to have this mystique about them, especially on the blue turf, that they could overcome just about anything and beat anybody. And uh, you think back to that Mountain West Championship of Fresno State, knocking them off in overtime. You look at this blowout loss to BYU, and uh, it seems like it may be slowly uh, wearing away. But for the time being, it doesn't count against Boise State's um, conference record, and if they do get one of their top two quarterbacks uh, healthy, uh, there's probably still a good chance that they run the table. Uh, Fresno State won't get a shot at them in the regular season, so um, you know, wouldn't be surprised at all to still see Boise State at seven and zero or six and one in conference play at the end of this thing. But um, certainly, that was not the type of Boise State that we're used to seeing when they played BYU on Friday. No, it doesn't. It did not look like the 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 Boise State that we're used to seeing. It it does, however, make them uh, feel a little bit more human. Uh, so it, anybody in the conference looking at that can can pretty much say, "Hey, Boise's not untouchable like everybody thinks they are." So they've got a chance at going after the the Broncos uh, this season. So they're going to bring it on every game against Boise and. Uh, you may see Boise trip up uh, during the season. You never know. It could happen. Another big surprise, Jackson, is San Jose State, San Diego State. And, you know, when you when you think of those two teams, who do you usually think is going to come out on top? <laughs> usually it's yeah, going to be San Diego State, right? Well, it turns fact, out. It's been seven in a row for San Diego State <laughs> in that period. <laughs> I'm telling you, I, I had no clue that this was going to happen. San Jose State takes it 28-17 to 17, and now are 3-0 and oh for the first time in I don't know how many years uh, ever in the Mountain West. So uh, San Jose State is now undefeated in Mountain West and kind of a head-scratcher, Jackson, don't you think? Yeah, and it's almost the exact opposite of Boise State. You would expect San Jose State traditionally not to win that game, and actually San Jose State as well lost their starting quarterback four snaps into the game against San Diego State. <laughs> and so now you say San Jose State with their backup quarterback is definitely not going to beat San Diego State on the road, and they did it. Um, and so that was definitely surprising. Um, and with San Jose State, they were off to a very solid 2-0 start. Uh, their quarterback, Nick Starkle, the original starter, is uh, formerly of Arkansas and Texas A&M, and he went off for over 450 passing yards and five touchdowns in week two. So I felt that uh, if he was out there, San Jose State was going to have a pretty decent shot of playing San Diego State head-to-head. But he got knocked out real quick, and uh, San Jose State fell behind a little bit early. Uh, Their backup quarterback, Nick Nash, is not a big thrower. He's more of a running quarterback, and I believe they had five straight three and outs when he took the, the field, but eventually he settled in. And, uh, you know, he did solid. The, their offense did solid, but I think what's been most impressive about uh, the Spartans lately is their defense because 
yeah, their defense has been pretty bad <laughs> almost the whole time through the Brent Brennan era. Um, I mean, they had a very strong passing offense last season that got up to five wins and they, they knocked off the Bulldogs at the end of last year. But uh, their defense was never much to talk about. And they really loaded up on their D-line. They were able to shut down San Diego State's rushing attack, which had been averaging 350 yards the first two games. And so... Uh, not only the Spartans having a pretty potent offense, but their defense is now maybe one of the better ones in the conference. So you got to keep watching for San Jose State. Uh, they've got what should be a win against UNLV this weekend, and they'll be probably full now going into the second half of conference play, playing teams like Fresno State and Boise State and Nevada, uh, Hawaii, I believe, too. So they've got a tough stretch to close things out, but uh, they're going to be one of the teams with the upper hand uh, midway. Now, the key is that Fresno State plays Utah State this weekend. Next weekend, Fresno State takes on San Jose Spartans. So that is going to be a key matchup uh, where Fresno State meets meets San Jose State uh, here at Bulldog Stadium, which could be a uh, probably the game of the season for the Bulldogs to watch um, as as Fresno State tries to take on San Jose, and who knows, it could be a four and O San Jose State team uh, heading into that game against the Bulldogs. So, uh, I don't. Uh, what do you What do you think, Jackson? I mean, they're they're going to be facing who is it? The UNLV this week? <laughs> they could pretty much be four and O against the Bulldogs uh, next week when the Bulldogs uh, play host to them. So, yeah, they absolutely could. And um, Fresno State could very well be 3-1. and one. That would be one of the best games that the conference has to offer if that plays out for uh, Week 5. Yeah, who would have thought that that would have been the game of the week to watch, <laughs> right? Um, but San Jose State has been making lots of strides and trying to um, get that ship righted, but they've been doing that for years now. Uh, but hopefully maybe they've got it, got it going in the right direction now. Now, other things that we'll touch upon really quick. Uh, the Air Force Army game got postponed. They didn't even get to play that game uh, this past week. Uh, other games, Hawaii barely hangs on against New Mexico, 39-33. Kind of a head-scratcher there, Jackson. The way that ja- uh, Hawaii looked in the first game against the Bulldogs and then struggling the next two weeks. Uh, trying to figure that one out right now. Um, I guess uh, the Bulldogs were just really rusty against Hawaii. What, what do you what do you get from that one, Jackson? Yeah, and I think um, one of the possibilities is that New Mexico might not be half bad <laughs> because <laughs> the, the previous week uh, they were actually tied 21-21 on the road at San Jose State, and at the time that wasn't saying a whole lot. <laughs> now that San Jose State 3-0 and just knocked off San Diego State, you think, hey, New Mexico fought pretty hard in that game, and they took uh, Hawaii to the limit, so maybe I mean, that's the only two games they played this season. Maybe they're a little more competitive than we anticipated, and that's going to be Fresno State's uh, last game of the season. And uh, so that one might be uh, more anticipated than we might have uh, thought originally. Yeah, so they, they might be better than people think they are. So I guess the key matchups for this week, of course, we're going to keep an eye on the Bulldogs against Utah State. Um, Boise takes on Colorado. I don't see much of a fight there. Um, then you've got Hawaii against San Jose State uh, in San Diego. So that one could be interesting. Um, if Hawaii were to take off, were to, you know, beat San Diego State, 
then then things start to come into question for San Diego State. But if Hawaii loses to San Diego State, then uh, Fresno State can pass up Hawaii because they had a loss against them. That will help the Bulldogs in the standings. So that one's going to be one to watch as well. Um, and then, of course, you've got Nevada against New Mexico. UNLV takes on San Jose. Uh, and then Air Force Wyoming. So that's going to be the matchups for for this week. Any one of those, Jackson, that you're keying in on to kind of keep an eye on? Um, well, I'll be curious to see, you know, as you mentioned, probably not anticipating Boise State to get tripped up by Colorado State, but the Rams sure looked a lot better last week in beating Wyoming, and uh, they went back with their other quarterback, Patrick O'Brien, who did not start against the Bulldogs, and the Broncos may have a bit of a hangover. It's going to be a Thursday game, so a quick turnaround. So we'll see. Uh, I'm curious to see how both of those teams respond there. And then uh, Hawaii-San Diego State, definitely for me, the biggest one. Um, both of those teams are 2-1, and one, and this is kind of where we start to see teams separate because uh, there's not room for error like there might usually be in the Mountain West when there's two divisions, and you don't have to be the top two teams. You just have to be the best out of your group of six. and uh, this year, that's not the case. You've got to have one of the two best records, and uh, probably two losses might be enough to take you out of the running if a couple teams are really having good seasons. So two two-and-one teams with Hawaii and San Diego State, um, especially if Hawaii loses that one, then Fresno State's basically in control of their own destiny again uh, the rest of the way if they can keep stringing the other wins. So uh, Warriors and Aztecs, the big one for me to watch, uh, and that one will be... Uh, 90 minutes kicking off after Fresno State's game. So we'll learn a lot about all those teams uh, by the afternoon. Now, of course, the standings are as follows. You've got Nevada and San Jose State at the top at 3-0. and uh, Boise State at 2-1. and Fresno State 2-1. and Hawaii and San Diego State also at 2-1. and Then you got Colorado State at 1-1. and Wyoming at 1-2. and Air Force at one and two, and then you've got New Mexico, UNLV, and Utah State all coming in at, uh, let me see, New Mexico at 0 and two, and then UNLV and Utah State both coming in at 0 and three. And that's how the standings are. So, so far, if you were to to end the, the, the season today, you got Nevada and San Jose State at the top of the conference. Uh, so, the now are they going off of overall or are they going off of conference jackson do you know have they broken that down for you yet uh, as far as what what to look for yeah so it's only going to be conference and uh, when it comes to uneven games because say if you're Boise state you're only playing seven games uh, compared to a lot of teams that are hoping to get eight games and uh, the tiebreaker is going to come down to the loss column so uh, if we have Boise state maybe knocks off or if they lose a game along the line and they're tied with someone that if Boise State goes 6-1 someone else is 7-1 and one, if there's a tiebreaker uh, it would still go to head-to-head even though the other team had 7 wins so um, it's going to be uh, interesting to see if that causes some controversy or some angry fan bases <laughs> it comes down to something like that at the end of the year yeah and there's no mention of makeup games uh, I don't know if they're even going to be entertaining makeup games so things are it is what it what it is what they say so uh we just have to kind of wait and see how the how the season progresses now we're getting tight on time but before we do that jackson one final thing you broke news this week uh fresno state added two home games coming in 2023 
what are those games? Uh, who are they going to be facing in 2023? Yeah, one of them, the a big one, uh, hosting BYU, who we were discussing earlier. Um, if they, I mean, they're number eight in the nation right now. If they can keep playing like that for the next couple of years, that'll be a, a really huge home game. Uh, that's one the Bulldogs actually already had. They're going to move it up from 2025 to 2023 to help uh, ease out the schedule a little bit. They were really needing a varsity home game that season, and uh, BYU is going to be it. And so then they also added Eastern Washington as their FCS game. Uh, interesting about that one is Bulldogs have never played Eastern Washington, and uh, Eastern Washington, if you don't know, is one of the more powerhouse teams of the FCS division. Um They've recently gone through a coaching change. We'll see if they'll keep it up by 2023. But uh, the Bulldogs have never, never lost an FCS game in this era. And uh, we'll see if Eastern Washington might be one of the teams that put up a bigger fight than what Bulldogs are used to seeing. And then the Bulldogs are also going to go to Purdue and Arizona State. We knew that. But uh, that's going to finalize the 2023 non-conference schedule. All right. And that does it for today. So if if you would like to uh, follow Jackson, you can find him on Twitter at JacksonMoore247. You can find me on Twitter at Red Wave Report, And uh, be, become a fan of our Facebook page as we deliver some of the news there. Uh, let you know when we drop something out on the website. Uh, again, on Facebook, just look for um, BarkBoard.com. And if, as always, head over to the BarkBoard.com and take a look at our, our boards where we break the news before anyone else does usually. So... Uh, if you don't have a premium subscription yet, I highly recommend getting one and uh, head on over to the Bark Board. There's some specials going on. Uh, I want to thank everyone for joining us and join us again next week as we continue the ongoing coverage of Fresno State Athletics.